But they'll be called to the set in just a moment. Set. Away, Freeman out well, a mighty roar. Australian Samantha Stozer in straight sets is the champion of the United States Open. Here's Aloisi for a place in the you World Cup. For us. Yes! Take your shirt off like John Aloisi and run down the side of Sydney Football Stadium. Welcome to the bench. Don't mind if I do. We've got a massive show coming up. We've got the longest and biggest and most extravagant sports rap that we've ever delivered. Ever. No pressure. On Joy 94.9. And I cannot, and I repeat, I cannot do it without my entertaining, lovely, knowledgeable, slightly funny, and heaps more co-host, Beck Dow. Oh, Welcome. Dave Beckett, what an what an entrance. Oh. Now, question without notice. Every week you pump up my tyres in a way that I'm not sure if facetious and, or not. And they slowly deflate through the week. They do. But let's just say one day I got all diva-like and I was like, had enough, not coming in anymore. Bench is dead to me. Yep. You could pick one person in the world to co-host the bench with you. Who would it be? Oh, very good question. Um, oh, Samantha Armitage. Oh. I feel like that. Interesting. You know, you got on par. Same Clothing, same costumes. Yeah, we um, do have, yeah. Yeah, same arbitrage without notice. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, but seriously, who I'd love to replace you, and I'd actually vote for her if we had Don't a, get too excited. If I had a choice of both you being here and only one microphone, I'd give the microphone to Megan Hussweight. <gasps> one of our guests tonight. We do love her. Actually, oh. I'd give it up for her. Yeah, I that's reckon. true. That's true. So we've got Megan Hustleweight. She's coming in. Uh, WNBL season is in the thick of it. I know. And she gave us a preview a few weeks ago. Now we're in. We need to know what's happening, who's where and what and why. The and good, whether I'm going to get a game. The good, Yeah, well, I'd probably not. But the good thing about uh, Megan is that I've seen tidbits about the WNBL since her since she's coming on a preview. And I seem like I know what's going on now. Like when I see certain names, I think... Oh, like, ah, Susie Bakovich. Uh, yeah, six, seven-time MVP winner. That's right. We can just drop it into convo now because Megan's trained us so well. We've got Daniel Cherney coming in from The Age. The big AFL draft is, it, well, it's over two days for the first time ever. I know, two compelling nights, what's like the, any good miniseries. I want to actually ask Daniel, what's the big deal? Why? why like, it's Drama. Drama, do you think? It's at Marvel Stadium, Dave. How uh, much more drama do you want? Sellout crowd expected? Sellout crowd. I'm going to be there. Uh, bragging. Yeah. Um, it's like the Brownlow medal. I feel like that's the only event that needs to be dragged out for th- over three days. This I enjoy the draft. Like. I yeah. like to know. That's where we differentiate. Hmm. Um, and Sam Moraldo is our last guest of the night, and uh, he participated in the Invictus Games recently. Very exciting. He's also a member of the Hawks wheelchair football team, which I need to hear more about. But you know what's first, Dave? Not the Bolt. <laughs> it cannot be the Bolt Report, Beck. I've told you. I'm going to be quite honest with you. The Bolt Report is dead. <laughs> much, as, much as I tried to resuscitate it for a good three weeks, this week I was like, I'm going to hang on. And I got yeah. on the... He's literally doing I t- Well, we just had our pre-show production meeting, which lasted all of two minutes. And you said to me, one of the key phrases that I love the most is you said, 
there's actually nothing <laughs> happening with Usain Bolt. And I was like, yeah, you could, you could have said that six weeks ago. But you know what? If you know what Usain Bolt's up to, SMS us in 0427JOY949 or on air at joy.org.au and give me your own Bolt report. It's now Bolt Watch. Bolt Watch, I love Bolt it. Bolt Watch. Do, 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 do. You know what's first though, David? <gasps> the Sports Wrap. And David, because I'm classy, I'm starting with my favourite story of this week, which I've entitled Farting Darts. Exactly. Twice world champion Scotsman Gary Anderson won Friday's match 10-2 to to reach the quarterfinals, but his Dutch opponent Wesley Harm said he was affected by the fragrant smell Anderson had left as they played. Harm said, it'll take me two nights to lose this smell from my nose. <laughs> He's not called the Flying Scotsman for no reason. Correct. Anderson responded, if the boy thinks I've farted, He's 100% wrong. I had a bad stomach once on stage and admitted it, so I'm not going to lie about farting on stage. (laughs) Anderson then went on to say, every time I walked past, there was a waft of rotten eggs. So that's why I think it was him. It was bad. It was a stink. Then he started to play better. I thought he must have needed to get some wind out. So, Dave, is this a case of whoever smelt it, dealt it, and whoever denied it, supplied it? Oh, that's interesting. I feel like it's a bit of a tactic involved in the sport, maybe. Would you own up to farting if you were playing darts? Yeah, I would, yeah. I would 100% not. Yeah. I would 100% drop it and run. No, nah, I would. I feel like the darts players are those kind of people. You know, they're kind of matey and lovey. And Maybe this is going to be a new report, the fart report. No, 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 no. Mm, no, okay. no. You blow enough hot wind as it is. <gasps> From one great story to another, <laughs> Tim Cahill. Nothing to do with farts in this story. The final whistle may have blown without Tim Cahill adding another Socceroos goal last last night, but that didn't stop the striker reminding the fans just how great he was. He actually hung around for, they reckon, a couple of hours after the game, signing autographs on players' shirts, uh, on uh, fans' shirts. Bless. How good is that? Um, And also, I just loved him as a player. 108 games for a tremendous return of 50 goals. Wow. That is amazing effort. For a player that wasn't really a traditionally a striker, mm. uh, Tim Cahill generally played just behind the striker in like an advanced midfield role. Assistant striker. Yes. My personal highlights of Tim Cahill, oh, the, the volley against the Netherlands. Now, we watched that goal in our two-minute production meeting. Just sweetly hitting off the crossbar, into the goals. What a huge game. And the winning goal against the Japanese at the 2006 World Cup. Now, Tim Cahill, had, he loved to um, punch the corner flag as part of his uh, celebration. Yeah. That's what he's famous My for. My favourite Tim Cahill memory is his Weet-Bix ad. Yes, yes, he's a Weet-Bix kid, of course. And uh, in other news as well, in the Socceroos, winger Daniel Azani has gone under the knife in Spain. Um, he's, get, he's had an ACL reconstruction. He'll be out of the game. Uh, they expect around nine to twelve months for mm, the ACL. The so he was ACL. the he was the young kid that burst onto the scene at the World Cup. So we can't wait for him to get me back into the thick of it. Women's cricket, Dave, the only cricket we care about these days. We spoke a lot about this last week, but wicketkeeper and opening batter Alyssa Healy was concussed during the first inning of Australia's loss to India on Sunday morning after a mid-pitch collision with her teammate. Oh. Megan shot. It looked very bad. Yeah, when a bit of friendly it. fire. Yeah. She couldn't bat in Australia's final pool game of the World T20 after she was diagnosed with concussion, so the Aussies were a player short for their run chase. Now, Dave, the ICC has allowed a trial of concussion subs in first-class cricket, but subs aren't permitted in internationals, so they had to play a player down. 
Oh. Mm. Healy, before that game, was the highest run scorer in the tournament and she has to pass a series of tests under Cricket Australia's concussion and head trauma policy before she's cleared to play in this Friday morning semi-final. So good luck, Alyssa. Uh, down to the final four. Now, I seriously, I said at the start of the tournament, I cannot see Australia losing this World Cup. They you are, did say that. They are so good. If they do now, it'll be very awkward. I wonder who Australia's best... Um, there was an argument during the week who who is Australia's best national sporting team is. Oh. Now, the women's cricket team's right up there. The Southern Stars, for the sure. The Southern Stars. But the other one they thought was Australian Boomers. Oh, yeah. Because there's a lot of uh, NBA players playing for our national side, which is the first time in a, like, ever this is true. that we've had this multiple NBA players. So, Another interesting story, Dave. This was uh, teenage Formula 3 driver Sophia Flourish has had successful surgery with no fear of paralysis after a horrific street crash at the Macau Grand Prix. Did you see this? Oh, I didn't, but I read about it. it She's only nasty. 17. She yeah. suffered a spinal fracture when her car catapulted off of the track and into a photographer's bunker while she was travelling wow. up more than 275 wow. k's an hour. Wow. So well done, Sophia. Wow. Scratch free. Scratch free. Um, Southeastern Melbourne Phoenix is the new name of the brand new NBL team. Now, we've been right amongst the NBL oh. news this, this year. We've followed it so closely. We've had Liam Santa Maria from Fox Sports. We've had Shane Hill, Australian legend, on we our show. We went to a game. We went to a game, exactly. Uh, they'll be sporting the. Okay, let me. Tell me what you think about these colours. Black, white, and a bright laser green, and a darker centurion green colours will be their. Uh, their team colours. They sound like colours I had in my Derwent set when I was in grade two. Ah. So the Phoenix, the name came from, they believe that Southeast basketball, it's been so famous for basketball, is rising from the ashes. So the Phoenix is rising and they'll be uh, studying the NBL next season um, and they'll be sharing the Melbourne Arena with Melbourne United. And I reckon, just a tip here, they will be going after some of the big names at Melbourne Ooh. United. They've already captured the assistant coach. He's now going to be the senior coach next season. We don't want to lose our Chris Golding, do we? Oh, our boy. Let me tell you a bit of news. He signed a two-year contract this year, so he's going nowhere. We're safe. Now, Dave, speaking of basketball, I'm doing a little bit of a shout-out for the Bush Rangers Basketball Club. Now, they're a queer basketball club currently playing in a Tuesday night women's competition at Coburg Stadium, catering for all levels of ability, so even I could play. Uh, The club's purpose is to create a safe space to play basketball, and if you'd like to know more... Contact their president, Stella, who I've met. She's very cool. Uh, via their Facebook page at Bush Rangers Basketball and get on down. Just simply search Bush Rangers Basketball on Facebook and we might throw it on our uh, socials after our show. Let's do that, Dave. Um, also, a little cheeky uh, story here. So, obviously, we're in the thick of the AFL draft, but um, I'm not sure if you know the rules, but AFL can clubs can draft players who have previously played at another AFL club without going through the draft. Do you think they just make up rules on the fly? I, I think so. They reckon, mm. oh, yeah, we've got a group of players that could be playing AFL. Let's just change the rule. Um, Corey Wagner is the new uh, ex-kangaroo, now Melbourne Demon. He was working as a barista at the Cheeky Monkey mm. Cafe in Richmond and he was serving coffees to who is now his teammates. Oh, hopefully they don't still make him make coffee when he's at the club. Yeah, that, well, he's on the rookie list and maybe that's the job of the rookies. I don't know. Well, that's true. That's yeah. true. Anyway, that's, that's all I've got. Wrap. That a little is... bit of golf, haven't you? Oh, golf! I forgot about golf. My new favourite sport. Just wait. I've got, I've got to actually play. Have you got a sound? Oh, 
sound. It's an extended version of the ah, sports round. The disco version. Well, the World Cup of Golf starts on Thursday at Metropolitan Golf Club. Australia will be represented by Mark Leishman and Cameron Smith. Leishman has compiled an impressive overseas career day, featuring four US PGA Tour victories across America and Malaysia, as well as a European title in South Africa. He's earned himself a sweet 33 mil in prize money on the PGA Tour alone, but has never won a major competition in Australia. World number 21 Leishman is the highest-ranked player at the World Cup and combined with world number 33 Smith, they are favourites to win, so old Marky Mark might get his first... Now's the time. ...big win on home soil. Good luck to them. How many PGA, USPGAs have you won, Beck? Have we, have, how many have we won combined? Uh, probably, like, around the same as Mark Leishman, I think. Give or take. <laughs> That's good. Big show coming up. We've got Megan Hustlewaite is the WNBA, the voice of the WNBL. We've got Daniel Cherney, who is the age reporter. He'll be coming on to preview the uh, upcoming AFL draft that happens tomorrow. And we've got Sam Moraldo, who represented the Aussies at the Invictus Games. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Bench on Joy. You're listening to The Bench on Joy. WNBL is right in the thick of it with the season at the halfway mark. And to give us an update with all things that are happening with the WNBL, we are joined by friend of the show, journo extraordinaire, Megan Hussawait. Welcome to The Bench. Hi, guys. Great to be on chatting to you again. Well, we're very excited to have you back. We we were saying earlier, Megan, that now after we talk to you, we feel like now we're experts by osmosis and we just keep dropping like Susie Bakovich <laughs> into random sentences to sound impressive. Yeah, that's totally going to give you credit if you mention Susie. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely down with you guys continuing to do that. <laughs> now, we spoke to you, uh, Megan, we just spoke to you just before the WNBL season kicked off. Now that we're fair way into the season, what has surprised you the most? Oh, gee. Well, first of all, I can't, can't believe how quick this part of the season's gone. It seems like just two weeks ago we were chatting, doing our little season preview, but um, there's been so many surprises, which I guess comes with the fact that it's a really tight season. So there were some surprises as early as round one. I know last time I chatted with you guys and spoke about Melbourne Boomers and how they'd brought in um, lots of opals from the Australian national team. They actually had a shock loss in round one to Bendigo, which was a huge, huge upset. Um, but they've got their stuff together and um, there's seven wins and three losses now. And they've had quite a tough couple of weeks. They had um, something like six games in 13 days over a really busy stretch there. And Look, they've got a couple of injuries. Two of their Australian players, Steph Talbot and Ezzy Magdegor, are injured at the moment. But their depth has really um, shone through. And as part of that, one of their key imports, Lindsay Allen, who's come over from America, who's a, um, a playmaker, a really exciting guard. She's had a huge couple of weeks. She's been WNBL Player of the Week the last two rounds. And um, it's no coincidence that her... Um, Purple patch of form has coincided with the boomers rocketing to the top of the ladder. Now, Megan, Perth's top of the ladder with a 6-2 record and only just having a loss last week. Do you expect them to be up and about come the end of the season? Yeah, definitely, Beck. They were another one round one. They um, were the TV game round one against Adelaide playing in Perth and they had a Barry Crocker. They were terrible Perth. Um, and it, everyone was just thinking, what is going on? They've got this superstar team 
and they were shocking that they went on a run after that winning their six games. They fell to the Boomers in Perth last Friday night. But, yeah, look, they've really got their stuff together. They are athletic. They're really smart. They're dynamic. They've got a lot of scorers. Um, their defense is really solid. And usually they're going to be pretty tough to beat um, at home. So, look, the race is on for the top four spot. I think probably more so for maybe that fourth spot. But, yeah, Perth will definitely be in that pre-season action. Are the teams that are the most exciting offensively, are they the teams that are normally doing so well in WNBL? Yeah, I think so. Look, the, the defence is so important as well. Danny Long Range is the other team that we've got here in Melbourne. Um, they beat the reigning champ, Townsville up in Townsville round one and then had a good win over Sydney and then really fell into a bit of a hole there for about a month. Um, I went up to Bendigo and watched them on Friday night. Bendigo has been a pace setter, but Danny Long improved their D um, and their offence just powered on all cylinders off the back of that. So I think it's, it's, it's sort of twofold, but I think if you can look after your defence, your offence comes off the back of that. So it's just finding that balance. And then also, I, I see that the, the, some of the teams are, are piling on the games in such a short space. So the Boomers, by this Sunday, would have played eight games in 23 days. Is that right? Yeah, it's crazy. I've been having a bit of a giggle about this debate over the um, three-game grand final series talk for the AFL. And um, there's been a bit of chatter around, oh, but, you know, they can't be playing this much and travelling. And I think, oh, my goodness, you guys need to check out the WNBL because the majority of these athletes are not full-time. Um, some of them still work and go to uni. And, um, like, having two games in a weekend is normal. So, um yeah, like the Boomers last weekend played in Perth on Friday night and we're back home on Sunday playing. And that is just normal for our female athletes. So, um, look, home wins and getting, you know, taking care of business at home is so important that those road wins are like gold. So if you can get a victory up in Townsville where it's so hard to win or over in Perth, um, yeah, it's like a, a massive bonus. And the the Boomers have got another double header this weekend. Um, how do you think they'll fare with those two games? Yeah, it's going to be fascinating on Friday night. They got to Canberra. Um, look, Canberra are a side to watch. There hasn't been so much fanfare around them, but they've got a super team um, that they've put together. They've got an Olympian in Mariana Tolu to come back in, who's a big player. Um, so that's going to be a real um, measuring stick to, to see where both sides are at. And then on Sunday, um, the Boomers are back home to play Adelaide. And Adelaide have been travelling along okay. They're three and four. Um, I mean, not, not an amazing record, but um, they certainly aren't having the stuff to the season Sydney are having. So, I mean, if the Boomers can knock over both of those sides this weekend, um, and as I said, with two key injuries, they're making some pretty impressive strides. Well, Megan, the poor old Dandenong Rangers are struggling. They're three and five at the moment. Do you think they can find a way out of their slump? Yeah, I definitely do. As I mentioned, they were so impressive on Friday night, upsetting um, Bendigo, who have won six games so far. Um, The Rangers have a really good team on paper. Um, Their import, Benajah Laney, has been their best player for them this season. She's been really dynamic. But, um, yeah, I think it was a much improved performance that will give them confidence. They've got a few players that are carrying a couple of niggling injuries at the moment, which has been hurting them. Uh, But as I mentioned, I reckon the heat is on for that spot and Danny Nong would definitely back themselves in to have a crack at that if they can continue to get their stuff together. Now Sarah Blickhouse would be one that could actually propel Rangers into that top four. She's still out of action with her ACL recovery. When are we expecting Sarah to be back on the court? 
Yeah, look, it's been a, a bit of a month-to-month proposition for Sarah. Um, she was actually doing some, some running um, before the game on Friday night, which was really good to see, and she pulled up really well from that. So I would hope that we'll see her back in action after Christmas. So, look, she might get um, six weeks under her belt, depending on whether Rangers play finals or not, but for the long term, and she's still a very young athlete with a big future ahead for the um, Australian team. That would be great to see. But, yeah, she would be a huge inclusion um, for the Rangers, even if she just plays, you know, obviously restricted minutes to start off with, but um, she'd be a huge in. We're talking to Jono and friend of our show, Megan Husway, all about WNBL. Now, Megan, we've talked enough about the players. One of our favourite things has been watching you on the television in the (laughs) WNBL. Tell us all about how that's been going. <laughs> Wasn't sure where you were going with that. <laughs> we never know with Beck, Megan. We never know. <laughs> we know. Um, yeah, it's been it's been really enjoyable. So I'm enjoying some work with Fox Sports um, for the Victorian games, which has been awesome. So um, I like to say because I'm short like Beck, um, so I'm a point guard just getting my first minutes on. <laughs> so I'm trying to make the most of uh, most of my opportunity, but it's been awesome. Um, something a bit different for me, and. Yeah, just feel lucky to be working around um, women's sport and especially the WNBL where we seriously have a great season um, and anything is anything is possible, anything can happen, which we've already seen in um, the first few months. Well, I've been impressed, Megan. I've been writing down every single outfit you've been wearing and then going and buying it myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing that I've got. I'm doing Fox this Saturday and I'm thinking, what am I going to wear? And, what earrings am I going to wear, most importantly? Um, so these are my sort of first world problems now, but I have to admit I am loving having my hair and makeup done um, on, on game day, so I could quite get used to that. I, and think I, I would unlike, love that every day. Unlike radio, you can wear big earrings on television. They don't get in the way of the headphones. Right? And, like, nobody... I'm sure you guys are both looking fabulous right now, but we can't... We can only imagine. We can't see. So, no one will ever um, know. No one will ever know what you guys are wearing right now, but, hey, that's another topic for another time. Well, I'm in a mankini. But, anyway, um, back to back to getting it back to a bit of basketball, Megan. Beck's gone rogue. Um, we spoke, obviously, about the legend Susie Bakovic last time. Um, she's doing so well again this season. Now, last time we had you on, you mentioned that she's like a bottle of wine, and it was so true. How, how good has her season been so far? Yeah, it's been it's been very good. Um, in saying that, this time last week she was having some really um, quite serious problems with her neck, which hurt against the Boomers in the um, grand final replay. But in typical Susie style, um, Fire had a big road trip last week playing in Adelaide and then Melbourne. She got up for the game in Adelaide, was the top scorer um, in the win, and then played again um, on Sunday and backed up, which is uh, pretty impressive for a 37-year-old. But um, and in team of the week for the WNBL again this week, so she's just so consistent. I mean, Council haven't had um, an amazing start; they've only won three games, but with her in their team, and it is a pretty new look team, other than. Um, and Susie, so I think as they continue to gel, um, having her there as the linchpin is just huge and um, I'm expecting her to continue to have another great season, which has just become sort of hashtag standard for Susie. And look, she's 37, she's playing Miraculous Basketball, I'm paying, I'm 37, today I walk from my office to the coffee shop next door, so we all have Same things back. in our lives, don't we? 
same, same. Yeah. It's, it's like to pair the pair, isn't it, Beck? I yeah. mean, it's a <laughs> the coin as to who you want to, you know, go with. So. Exactly. I'm exactly. going with Susie. Oh, thanks, Dave. <laughs> I'll back you in any day, Beck. Thanks, I'll, I'll, Megan. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's a very impressive walk. Next week it'll be the bench with Beck Dahl and Megan Hussman. <laughs> And, and just as a disclaimer, I'm not wearing a mankini. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's best for everyone. Anyway, <laughs> huge week. Huge Particularly weekend of, me. <laughs> huge weekend of WNBL coming up this weekend, and we are looking forward to the action continuing. Thanks for covering the game so well. We'll chat soon, Megan. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure to chat to you. Thanks, Megan. Bye. That was WNBL journo extraordinary and friend of the show, Megan Hussweight. Stay tuned. More coming up on the bench on Joy. It is the AFL Draft tomorrow, and to tell us more, we're joined on the line by reporter from The Age, Daniel Cherney. Welcome to the bench, Daniel. Uh, Good to be with you guys. This year's AFL Draft will be held over two days for the first time, Daniel, and we're having live trading for the first time. Can we expect to see anything different compared to our last draft? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, uh, It's a brave new world, really, for uh, for AFL clubs. There's a lot of uncertainty around what's going to happen. Uh, I suppose there always is, but... There's sort of an added element of uncertainty this year, given um, you've got this this fresh element of, uh, of live trading. The expectation is that might not be that much. Clubs may be gun shy first time around just to um, to have live trades. There's some talk of the Western Bulldogs at pick seven might um, might still make some moves, and, and there's been plenty of talk about Adelaide and Port Adelaide trying to move up, you know, to to, to uh, jostle positions to get the best access to what is a very talented group of South Australians. But I anticipate that we're more likely to see movements, if any, towards the back end of the draft. But it really does remain to be seen. Um, tomorrow night is just going to be the first round, so expecting about 22 picks. There's 19 in the first round, and then might be three or four academy bids matched, um, which could stretch it out to about 20 or 23 picks. And then uh, the rest of the draft will be uh, completed on Friday early afternoon, and then uh, the rookie draft Friday night. So... Uh, It'll all be over within 24 hours. But um, oh, they were actually, actually just the AFL clubs had a trial run at Marble, Marble Stadium uh, only this afternoon, and uh, there were some tech, technical issues. And I believe that the uh, yeah some gremlins in the system and the things not working too swimmingly. So they'll be hoping to iron out those kinks by tomorrow night, given uh, this, this brave new world that we're going to into. Now, Daniel, I feel like it's been years that people have been telling me this is the super draft. Do you think it's going to live up to the hype? Yeah, another good question. Uh, I think. That um, you have a situation where uh, it's not, it probably isn't quite going to be uh, as strong as it, as it may have been advertised uh, this time last year. But it, but it is still going to be a very strong draft. There's a, there's a lot of talent in there. Probably a couple of uh, a couple of the kids didn't quite come on as, as would have been hoped. But there's seven or eight really really excellent prospects in this draft. Pool. You've got the King Twins, Max and Ben, um, the Victorian Talls, who are. Both, uh, both over two metres tall um, from Halebrook College and the, the Sandringham Dragons, who are outstanding prospects. Um, one's a tall forward, one's uh, or a swingman can play forward or back. So both excellent prospects. Jack Lacocious, the South Australian tall forward. He uh, he looks like he could be, you know, could be a really outstanding player. Isaac Rankin, who's a brilliant, um, brilliant forward midfielder for South Australia, who can do things that probably others can't. Uh, Sam Walsh, who's tipped to go number one to Carlton. He's just a an incredibly bankable midfielder, uh, good inside and out, just an incredible, you know, a really impressive young young man of character. Uh, so there's plenty of talent there. Whether it's, uh, I mean, the Super Draft, sort of the famous one in 2001, uh, with, uh, with, you know, Bartel and Hodge and Ball, Jada, Ablett, Swan, the list goes on, Del Santo. 
Uh, whether it quite was up to that remains to be seen, but uh, I still think it is a very, a very good draft ball. And uh, one thing I really love about the draft is the father and son prospects, and there seems to be quite a few uh, in this year's draft. Any of those you think we should keep a particular eye on? Yeah, no, it is a very good group of, group of father-sons. I mean, probably the best father-son is, is, is actually not going to go as a father-son selection. That's Nick Blakey, who um, is going to go in the top ten to Sydney. Actually, he's an academy bid. Pick. Uh, he, he had this choice of three clubs um, to nominate because he, he his dad, John Blakey, of course, played for North Melbourne and Fitzroy, so he was eligible for both the Kangaroos and the Lions and also the Swans the academy pick. So he's probably best, best known as a forward, but, you know, a, a beautiful left foot. But there's a lot to like about him. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, and then you also got Will Kelly and Riley Wesley. Plenty, plenty to like. Now, Daniel, I'm an Adelaide Crow supporter, and I've long held the belief that we should only draft South Australians because that's the only way we can keep them. Um, my concern is Rankin and Lacocious are going to be long gone by the time it gets to the Crows. Can you comfort me with any other South Australian talent that they can pick up? Uh, you know, it's a, it's, a very, it's a fair point. It's a very fair point. Uh, look, I, I actually don't think that they are going to. Um, Sorry to bear a bad news, but I don't think they are going to be um, taking too much South Australian talent. I mean, there there are a few other guys. I mean, you know, it's not just Lukosh and Rankin. There are there's plenty of South Australian talent in the draft. Connor Rosie, I think, will probably end up at Port, um, which probably makes it even worse for you. Yes, it does. Solves the wounds. You know, he's a very talented midfielder and forward. Uh, There's a couple of others who could go reasonably early. Jackson Hately, who I spoke to the other day, he's a really polished performer, um, versatile, uh, tall, utility, um, a really impressive character. He is around the Crows' range for, for their second pick, so I think he, you know, it wouldn't surprise if uh, if he if he falls around, um, you know, pick. I, I'm at the moment going pick 14 to Geelong, but I think anyone between out of Adelaide, Port Adelaide, GWS or Geelong would surprise. And there's Luke Valenti, who is a midfielder. Oh, so a very, you know, very dependable midfielder from um, the captain of the side that won the under-18 championships. And he, he's probably... I've got him going through his pick 21, but uh, the Crows also you know, bit around that, have, have picks around there. So uh, there are a few about, but uh, I actually think that as it stands, I don't think they're going to get any of the top South Australians. It's just the way it's panned out. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I know that they've had they've lost guys, um, but it is still a good culture at that club. And I think that... They're, um, you know, they, they kept Rory Sloan. Uh, I think that there is still plenty to like about the Adelaide Crows going forward. Okay, I won't. I'll get slightly <laughs> out of the fetal position, Daniel, for a bit longer. <laughs> We're talking to Daniel Turner. He's the senior reporter from The Age, previewing the AFL draft. Now, along with Beck's request, uh, Daniel, do you think clubs are starting to focus more and more on local talent just to avoid the go-home factor? Yeah, again, another really fascinating subplot to, to, this, um, to this draft. And it certainly has... It, it is... Um, a looming um, sort of there's always a spectre, and, we, and it's probably most pronounced around Gold Coast and, and the Giants, particularly the Suns. Uh, you know, given they have picks two, three, and six, and also obviously we saw the, the Giants losing losing um, you know, several players, yeah. partly because of go home, partly because of just salary cap concerns in, in, uh, in the most recent trade period. Look, it, it has to be a consideration, and I think Bailey Smith, who you know rated as certainly one of the best. Midfielders, arguably, you know, arguably the second or third best midfielder in the draft pool. Uh, he will probably end up in Victoria, most likely to the Bulldogs. Uh, with clubs a bit concerned about um, about whether he'll, he'll, you know, he'll be able to stand up to it. You know, he'll be up to it interstate. And, and there's also with, with both King twins, um, Ben 
likely probably at this point to go to the Gold Coast at pick six. Max, you know, expected to get to St Kilda at pick four. And the Saints, I suppose, would be in the box seat to get to get Ben down the track because uh, no doubt that they'll, they'll, they'll be wanting to play together one day, I would have thought. So, uh, yeah, it is a consideration, and that's why Port, you know, they'll be keen to get Rosie and there's been this jostling of positions. And I'm sure that Adelaide and Port have been trying to think of ways to move up the draft order. But you've also, to some extent, got to back your system in. And, and Port Adelaide, you know, it's funny, Port Adelaide, they lost Wingard and Pollock. They're actually two South Australians. So, mm. Yeah, uh, true. It's not necessary. It's not that they kept guys like Ollie Wines and Travis Bloke and Robbie Gray. So it, it, it's probably easier said than done. Patrick Dangerfield, I know he did end up going home, but you know he gave eight very good years of service to the Crows. Um, and I think he said recently uh, on on radio that you don't know until you until you go what it's actually going to be like. So um, yeah, it, it's consideration, but it can't be it can't be the sole consideration because otherwise you you never end up you know drafting anyone any good. Well, Daniel, I'm a Crow supporter and Dave's a Geelong supporter, so mentioning Dangerfield's like Voldemort in this studio. I'm sorry. You've really put a put a division in the bench now. And, <laughs> and speak to the Cats, uh, the Cats obviously made some uh, delistings uh, during the, the, the off-season period. A lot of the sort of mature age players. How important do you see this draft being for Geelong? Yeah, it is really important. It's, it's another good question. I, I think that it, it's, um, it's one they need to nail. They... Um, They've got a lot of, you know, their list is sort of a little bit of a crossroads. I think that, that I think they still internally rate themselves pretty well. There is still plenty of young talent, but you see some a lot of their recent first round picks haven't come on, and the jury's out on a few of them. You know, Nikolai Cockatoo, even last week there was a bit of a concern about his calves. I, mean, I think he could be a very good player still, but um, they they need to start replenishing with some really good kids. And I think if they can get Haitley or Chase Jones, who are you know some of the guys that they have been linked to with their first pick, that that would help a lot. But uh, they're going to get Oscar Brownless in. The son of Bill, uh, most likely, probably a, a later pick. Um, he, he, he can play through the midfield and forward and has shown a bit. A really, another really impressive character. So uh, it's important because they've topped up for, for several years now. It hadn't been their way during the, the glory years. They, they, you know, they've gone for guys for the, for the draft. But just because of the nature of free agency and guys wanting to come home, they've been able to top up. And they've, you know, Roy and Dalhouse, which I think is a reasonable acquisition. And Gary Rowland, which is probably, you know, the jury out. But um, they got him for not much, really effectively gave up, you know, Lincoln McCarthy and boring Gary Rowan. So, yeah, important for Geelong, um, but then again, important for a lot of clubs. And, and thoughts on the super, being, this being the super draft is what they're building up to be. What's your thoughts of the uh, Geelong keeping Tim Kelly and, and turning down those two picks in the 20s? Yeah, oh, look, it's such, a, such an interesting situation. I mean, I understand. Uh, I think Geelong, I think if I, was, if I was Geelong, I might have done it, but then again, He's a very good player, um, and there's no guarantee to get someone like that. Maybe they drafted him last year, and maybe they think they, they can turn him around, or, or maybe they think they're in the premiership window, and um, having to Kelly for even one extra year could really tip them over the edge to, to be, be a contender. So, I, I mean, they won't be getting stars in that. In that, I think that that's probably the theory is that the draft drops off a little bit around, you know, pick eight. But that's why they were really keen to get a top ten pick, but for Tim Kelly, and they probably would have accepted that, but it didn't happen, and... Um, you know, I, I certainly respect that because Tim Kelly, as we saw, is a, a brilliant player in his first season. Well, I guess, Daniel, the big question for the night is who Colton will take at number one. Do you think it will be Sam Walsh? I expect it will be. I think that the consensus is that it will be. And what uh, do you no think one... he'll add to the Blues? Uh, I think he'll add... He's very dependable. I think he's a really solid midfielder, uh, uses the ball well, very, very fit. Classy sort of operator. Their midfield is very weak still. I think he's a, he's a serious talent. Um, 
and, and there's a lot and there's a lot to like there. So I think I think uh, he'll make it. Wonderful, Daniel. Thank you so much for helping us get our heads around the AFL draft and what we can expect. It's an exciting couple of days coming up for AFL clubs and AFL supporters, and we really appreciate you taking your time to talk to us on the bench. No worries, guys. Well, a pleasure to be anytime. Thank you. That was Daniel Cherney, senior reporter at the Age. You're listening to the bench on Joy. You're listening to The Bench with Beck and Dave, and unless you live under a rock, you'll know the Invictus Games were recently held in Sydney, which is an international sporting event for wounded, injured and ill veteran and active service personnel. Joining us on the line now is Sam Moraldo, a team member of the Hawks wheelchair footy team and recent Invictus Games participant. Sam, welcome to The Bench. Ah, thanks for having me. Now, Sam, you've recently returned from the Invictus Games, which we'll get to shortly. But first, I want to ask about the Victorian Wheelchair Football League, where you play for the Hawks. How did you get involved in that? Uh, basically, about three years ago, I got a phone call from um, some people that run activities for veterans um, saying that I had a wheelchair football league uh, or wheelchair uh, football state championships going on. And I actually had no idea about it. And from that, I've, I got involved with playing that over the last few years. And then uh, in the middle of this year, uh, they did a draft. And I actually couldn't uh, attend the draft because I was doing training for the Invictus Games and uh, came in late as a, um, as a replacement to someone that, that couldn't fulfil the duty. So, yeah, I um, got drafted to the Hawks through that way. Oh, fantastic. Now, the Hawks have been quite successful in the, obviously, the AFL, the AFLW, the VFLW. Are you guys as successful the other sides? Uh, been... So far, we haven't been. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> it's, it's been a bit of a uh, tough year. Uh, it's been fun, though. And uh, when you've got a league that's discarding, uh, one of the things you're trying to do is create a good foundation and base uh, for future people coming through. So, I think we're slowly starting to get that together and um, hopefully uh, next season we'll have a bit of a better season than what we had this year. How does wheelchair footy work? Are the rules similar to the footy that's played on the oval or I can't quite get it in my head how it would all play out? So we play on an indoor netball court. Uh, so if you think of netball, uh, how you've got the third, you've also got uh, defence, uh, two defence, Two defenders that can only go two-thirds, a centre that can go everywhere, and a forward that can go... Uh, two forwards that can go everywhere. Uh, sorry, uh, two-thirds. So it's very similar in that respect. But then when it comes to the way the game's actually played, it comes back more in line with uh, AFL. Uh, a handball is a kick, because obviously you can't kick if you're in a wheelchair. Uh, and an underarm pass, anything below the shoulders is a hand pass. So they're how you basically look at the things as being similar, but slightly different. So they've been to, uh, to suit people that can't um, kick, obviously. Now, is it, is it a light-hearted sport that's sort of based around a bit of banter in the middle, or does it get quite rough in the on the on the court? Uh, there's a bit of both. Uh, there's a bit of bit of banter that goes on. Um, we're all a pretty close-knit group within all the teams, so we all know each other. So we know how to give someone a bit of a dig. But at the same time, um, it's quite serious in the way that you want to you want to do well for your team. And, yeah, there's times when you'll uh, hit another chair quite hard and you might fall out. One of our guys uh, is renowned for 
spending more time on the floor than in his chair. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that that's uh, quite quite amusing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those sports that you it's starting to really get a bit of a following behind it. Uh, towards the end of the season, we were having uh, over 100 people turn up each week to watch. Um, and when they had the grand final, uh, I think they had about 500 people turn up. Oh, wow. Uh, even even Eddie turned up. Oh, wow. Colin, of course, was in the, uh, the grand final. So, yeah, they, you get quite a few coming along, and it's getting more and more interesting. Now, Sam, you were in this year's Invictus Games and you reached the quarterfinals of the seeded volleyball and in the 2014 Games you won a medal in the archery. Now, you're clearly an overachiever in sport. Um, I, I'm, I wouldn't say an overachiever. <laughs> I, like to, I like to turn up. <laughs> well, turn up well by the sound of it. How did you get yourself involved in the Invictus Games? Um, I was actually being uh, told that I was no longer needed in the Defence Force, so... I'd been injured for quite a while, and through that, you go through a process uh, that leads you to medical discharge. And the day that I was getting medically discharged, uh, the Navy needed an extra person to put themselves forward to go, and I got offered, uh, and I took up the offer. Uh, So I got to go to London for the first Games in 2014, so that was a bit of a a surprise, to be honest. I wasn't expecting that. I was only expecting to be told... Um, thanks for your service, uh, catch you later. Instead, I got thanks for your service. Uh, we want to send you to London for a week to compete in a sporting event. And that was pretty much how I got back into playing sports. I hadn't been playing sports for years because of my injuries. And then through the Invictus Games, I was able to find that I was able to do a lot of things that I thought I wasn't able to do. We're speaking to um, Sam. Oh, sorry. We're speaking to Sam Morado, who represented the Aussies at the Invictus game. You speak about your love for sport. How important is sport in your re- rehabilitation? And also, you know, people, other people who uh, were at the Invictus games. Uh, for me, it's very important. I played a lot of sport as a kid, all the way through till uh, I did get hurt, um, and then when I stopped, I really found that that there was a void missing in my life. Um, And that's sort of one of the common themes that I find across the board. You get some people and the moment they were hurt, they knew that they were going to do some type of sporting thing. But a lot of people need to spend that time to adjust to the changes that are happening in their life. So when it finally comes along that you've got that opportunity to play some sport, a lot of people take it with two hands. At first, you're a little bit sort of like wary of like, how's it going to go? But then once you're in amongst it, and especially at something like the Invictus Games, you all get together. You've Everybody that's there is normal. It's everybody that hasn't got something wrong with them that isn't normal. So it's, it's almost like a, a reaffirming thing that the path that you're taking is, is the right one. Well, Sam, the Invictus Games were famously started by Prince Harry. Please tell me you got to meet Prince Harry when he was here for the uh, Invictus Games. I, I briefly got to uh, at the first one. I didn't this time, but this time I did get to meet David Beckham. So that was pretty oh well, cool. that, yeah, that, that's pretty that cool. might be better for some people. But, you know. Yeah, there's a really good photo. Actually, I think it's the best photo ever taken of me, and it's 
it's from behind, so you can just see the back of my head, but I'm shaking his hand. So um, that's a, that was probably the best photo that was taken of me. Now, Sam, tell us this. Is it all serious sport at the Invictus Games or is there a lot of mischief going on behind the scenes? Uh, it's definitely a bit of both. Um, you've, you've, there's actually three parts to the Invictus Games, to be honest. There's, uh, there's a lot of seriousness. There's a lot of mischief that goes behind as well. But then there's this third factor, and it's the third factor that makes the Invictus Games such a unique event, and that is not everybody is there to win. So you've got, say, for example, a Polish guy hurt himself uh, in the cycling and they still had two laps to go. So two French guys pushed him round for the remainder of the course. Or you've got people up against um, other people that don't have quite as severe disabilities, but everybody's there cheering them on. And it's that sort of thing that makes it such a good event that, yes, there's a lot of mischief that goes on in the background. But. <laughs> oh, it's good to see that it, it plays such a positive. Um, it has a, such a positive impact on everybody that's involved in the Victus Games. Um, where would you like to see the Invictus Games go in the future? I guess um, for me, having been to two and seen it both at home and abroad, I'd, I think the Invictus Games has got uh, a niche sort of market in respect to what it is. But I think it can help open up um, individual countries to having their own um, games as such. Like, it, it comes from the American um, Wounded Warrior game. So if a country like Australia could have their own version of that on top of the team that goes to um, the Invictus Games, I think that would be a really positive thing in the long run. It's, it's one of those sports that it, it can't really develop much more because of the constraints that are put on um, the countries that are eligible. Uh, But I really think that individual countries can start to build um, their own sporting rehabilitation uh, programs from it. Well, that sounds wonderful. Sam, best of luck in wherever your sporting journey takes you next, whatever sport you're going to win a medal in at the next Invictus Games. Um, Thank you so much for joining us on the bench and sharing your experience and we hope to speak to you again. Not a problem. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks very much. That was Sam Morado, Aussie rep at the recent Invictus Games and current wheelchair footballer at the Hawks. Episode 7 done and dusted here on the bench. And what a big show did we have. I think episode 7 was definitely in our top 7 episodes of this show. Yeah, I think so. Top 7 for sure. We had uh, Megan Hustlewaite who uh, gave us... She, is she the best person to uh, that writes or does anything about the WNBL? Well, there is no other. No. What? And I got to talk about clothes and earrings, which, along with sport, are my two favourite things. So... <laughs> That's right. And uh, the AFL draft is obviously over Thursday and Friday. And we spoke to the Age Senior Reporter, Daniel Churney, about that. And uh, I'm going to be there tomorrow night, Dave. So next week I will fill you in on all the goss yes, from draft will. night. Maybe uh, Adelaide might be forced to draft you, being the only South Australian talent there, maybe. Well, I might rush the stage and insist that they take me at pick 10. Uh, well, yeah, that'll be the biggest mistake. Um, Sam, Moral- Sam Minaldo, Moraldo, sorry. My, I can't even read my own handwriting. <laughs> Sam Peraldo joined us. He uh, participated in the Invictus Games and plays for the Hawks for the wheelchair footy. How great are the Invictus Games? I loved hearing about that. Oh, this is, it's fantastic. It plays such a positive impact in their lives. And as he, as Sam mentioned, it's not quite all about winning. It's not quite all about being competitive, but it's about, you know, 
camaraderie, rehabilitation and, you know, getting to the Invictus Games and, and playing amongst it, really. And he got to meet David Beckham, so win. Win, 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 win. Anyway, episode seven, finito. Good we'll night, Beck. We'll see you next week. Good Thanks night, so Dave.